Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Niche to Profit show here on the Vegas Video Network. Yeah. Okay. That was weak. <laughs> at, least, at least he knew that. <laughs> so collectible ephemera is our topic today and it is not my niche. So I have brought on an expert you may know better as one of the market warriors from the PBS reality show by the same name. And we'll bring John Bruno on in just a moment. Uh, but first, I am your host, Danny Ackerman, the Danny app. And I have spent nearly two decades selling on eBay. I cannot believe it's been that long. But what I have done is I have gone from being an online yard sale to being an e-commerce business, a profitable e-commerce business. And I teach others to do that very thing on this show. And what you're going to get today is you're going to get live listing reviews. We are going to do some hot sales of the week. And this week, we're going to play another round of our pick it or pass it game. And I got to tell you, I got the prizes here today. You're going to get to see actually what you get to win if you send in the right answer. Uh, so we're going to show you that in a while. But first, let me bring on my awesome guest, one of my most favorite people in the whole world, John Bruno. Hey, Danny. Hey, how you doing? Where's that applause? Where's the applause? Yeah. <laughs> Come How on. Doing, Danny? I promise I promised him applause. So okay, just saying. <laughs> hey John. How you doing, Danny? To be here. Nice to see you. I am so happy to have you on the show. This is so awesome. We got you set up and um we're gonna talk about something that I I know what it is, but I just have never dealt with it. It's not my expertise, but it is a very profitable niche. And that is ephemera. Ephemera, ephemera, ephemera. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. But nobody knows what the word really is or what to call it. I've had, pe I've had people tell me, that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's well, not. <laughs> well, it can be. <laughs> Some of it could be, but actually, no. You know, the best way to think of ephemera, if you've ever seen smoke from a fire or from a cigarette or a cigar, you see the smoke for a few minutes, and then it dissipates and disappears. That's what ephemeral means. Ephemera is something that is there for a little while and then disappears. Quickest way to explain it, you go to a concert, you have the ticket stubs. You turn them in, they rip it in half, give you the two parts back, they give you a playbill, you watch the event, you go home, you put it on your dresser, a few days later you throw it out. That's the ephemera. All the trappings that come with something, an event, a collectible, an item that we all throw away. Yes. It, yeah. yeah, in and of itself, it becomes very collectible because it explains the item. Yeah, I think a perfect example was I was telling everyone both in the Triple Crown races and, and just this last weekend, the Breeders' Cup, if you bet on American Pharaoh, do not cash in your ticket. Don't cash it in. Nope. You'll do much better 5, 10, 15 years from now with the value of that uncashed in ticket. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And so that's how I know. I, I mean, I come from the horse racing world. So you know, the horse racing ephemera is a pretty huge market. And I did, and I, and I have to take it back that I, you know, that I don't delve much in it because that's the area that I did was horse race. I was horse racing stuff crazy. Just ask my husband, everything in the house was horse racing. But. And that's just one aspect of ephemera. I mean, think of it. We all grew up in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Some of the memorabilia from that era, your Grateful Dead, Deadhead poster, mm. things like that become very collectible. Uh, we went to 3D movies at one point. The glasses, if you didn't take them out of the kit and use them, they become collectible. It's a broad spectrum. If you collect vintage cars, you're going to be looking for the owner's manual. If you collect old Lionel trains, you want the boxes that the individual trains came in. All of that becomes ephemera. That is so that true. Is so true. And, it really is. And so, John, why do people collect it? Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons there. It completes. More than anything else, it's that little 
touch that goes on top of the collection. Think of baking a cake. You know, you put on the icing, you put the whole thing together, and then you take the, the icing gun and you make a little flour to finish it. It's that little flour, that little lagnape, the French call it, that's something extra that just makes the world of collecting so exciting. My wife and I both collect perfume and aftershaves from the 50s, 60s, 70s. The box is often more valuable than the perfume or the aftershave inside. People collect it because it's colorful, it's graphic, it looks fabulous sitting alongside other collections, and it's usually very affordable to buy. It's only later when there's very little of it left that the value starts ramping up, as with all collectibles. I've heard the same thing about, say, Lionel Train collectibles. The box, just the box is worth just, more than, than sometimes just the train. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Go to an auction. And no matter what it is, whether it's a Lionel Train, whether it's a piece of glass, whether it's a toy, if you've got the box, that Lionel Train may be worth $200, but the box alone could be worth an additional $100, $150, which then ramps up the total value of the unit. So don't throw everything out. Yeah, it becomes a bit of clutter, but save it. That's where the money is. Would you say that's because, you know, back in the day when people were getting these items and they were new in the package, that the packaging wasn't important? Like today, like we just rip stuff out of the package and, and we have it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I just bought uh, a couple of days ago, I bought an old coin-op machine. It was a Kleenex tissue dispenser. Go figure. Inside were still some of the original Kleenex tissue packs. This is actually as enough of these become as valuable as the machine itself. Now, the same thing. You go pick up anything. I collect old decals that I use in my bathroom. I decal, put the decals on the wall in the bathroom. You take the decal out of the sleeve, you put it on the wall. But the sleeve, because it has all the information, that becomes valuable. So don't throw that out. But that's human nature. That's what we do. Are you putting those you somewhere? Putting those somewhere? <laughs> Have I put, these are going in my new bathroom that I just got <laughs> done painting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's a fun world. You know, uh, we were talking about politics. You know, we were? <laughs> we were. All political memorabilia becomes very collectible. A bumper sticker from when Rockefeller, Nelson Rockefeller, ran for president. Um, don't put it on the car. I saved it. Now, this is a collectible item and is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $50, $60. It was a giveaway from a political office. Things become valuable when you least expect it. I had the privilege of working on the space program back in the 60s. I worked on the Apollo shots, all of them from Apollo 8 through the uh, last one, Apollo 17. And we all got little bits of memorabilia. I tried to save the package that the memorabilia arrived in. So not only do I have one of the photographs that they gave us, but I also have managed to keep the letter explaining what it is. This becomes as valuable as the photograph itself. So yeah, it's a really, really interesting world. It goes beyond that. We've all gone to drugstores, picked up a pair of cheap sunglasses because they're so much fun. The display card that those cheap sunglasses those become valuable. So this I keep hanging in my office because it's just so cool. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. The world of, of collecting ephemera can be anything. can be matchbox, match covers. They're very much fun. They're, look how graphics those are. It can be, you go to a bar, you have a beer. Take home the uh, little beer coaster that they used to give you. That's Steal it? collectible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know it extends beyond that it's not just paper it's a funny thing if you've ever been to a world's fair or an exhibition a lot of the toys the gifts that come from those are collectible much of it is plastic and glass and the same thing people bring it home put it on the shelf for a while and then usually throw it out so that becomes the world of ephemera even though it's not paper uh back in the 60s when we were all protesting the war in Vietnam, many of us wore these uh, ID bracelets from prisoners of war. 
after it was all over, so many were thrown away. I've kept mine. They're not big books, but it's a touchstone to my childhood and to that time in history. So it's not just the collectability, it's a trail of history. And that in itself is really very interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you touched on something just then about the emotional factor, which I think is big. And, and you and I talked a little bit about this, of why this stuff you know, becomes a collectible. You want to kind of... Think about why anybody collects anything, whether it's glass, whether it's cars, whether it's toys, uh, whether it's ephemera. We collect because we're trying to get a touchstone to our past. Sometimes it's the past we had, but more often than not, it's the past we never had but really wanted. I grew up in the 50s, 40s, 50s, very early 60s. I always loved the ultra-modern housing style that was out there, the furniture, the glassware, that whole Jetsons look. Sadly, my parents were enamored of colonial Americana, so that was my environment. As soon as I got out on my own, I started collecting the childhood I never had of the weird Jetsons uh, amoeba and atomic-shaped furniture. That's part of collecting. Sometimes it's a memory of your parents, your grandparents, a loved one that we've lost, a fond memory of that first date many, many years ago. All of that enters the world of collectability. And the fun thing about ephemera is it's small, it's lightweight, it's affordable, And usually, if you think about it, a lot of our past has a lot of paper and ephemeral items that we never kept. And and I think part of the reason that stuff becomes valuable, too, is the fact that it it doesn't keep well. I mean, paper things obviously deteriorate, so there's fewer of them out there, and it's a little harder to, you know... Stuff today is so mass-produced in plastic. Well, we know plastic is like almost indestructible, uh, unless you have small children. <laughs> this is the absolute truth of collecting. You know, people ask me what makes something valuable. Now, we're going to the whole world of collectability, but ephemera is part of that. What makes something valuable is scarcity, desirability, and the fact that you have it and somebody else wants it or somebody else has it and you want it. Once something is made to be collected or made en masse, its desirability and its value plummets. One of the things that's part of the world of ephemera is baseball cards or sports cards. Mm. Those were so much fun when we were kids in the 40s, 50s, early 60s. And we used to get them in our packs of bubble gum. We used to trade them, put them on the spokes of our bike, listen to what's happening. They were being destroyed. The minute the companies realized people were collecting the baseball cards, they started producing baseball cards and sports cards that were meant to be collected. Guess what? They're never going to be worth anything. Only the ones that were made prior to the mass production of collectability are the really valuable items. So that's part of the secret, too. You hit the nail on the head there. Scarcity and desirability. So... Let's talk a little bit about what people should be looking at right now, because like you said, things right now get mass produced. The minute a company finds out, ooh, people want this, they just start putting it out there and diluting the value. So how do we pick things today to hold on to that could be valuable later on? You know, if we if we had that 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 magic window to look into, Danny, we'd all be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I think the truth is. Look at what strikes a resonant chord to the most amount of people uh, over time. Um, We're in an election cycle right now leading up to the presidency uh, next year, to that election. And what we are seeing is a a plethora of memorabilia being produced for this vast market of people that are out there running to be president. This, I think, an awful lot of this stuff 10, 15 years hence is going to become valuable because I can't remember such a large field of contenders, such a diverse field of contenders, and such a really interesting field of contenders. So were I collecting political memorabilia, I'd scoff up as much of it as I can today because I think there's going to be a lot of value in the future. Yeah, and you yeah. you and I are going to do a little something next week, which I'm going to, I'm going to touch on in a minute, but... Um... That is a very good point of 
Yeah, what's going on? I have to go back because I did not know this about you that you were involved in the the space oh. stuff. Um, one of my best best scores ever was we used to buy storage lockers back back before yeah. storage wars came along. Back when you could actually find things in storage lockers, yeah. And, well, find things and the prices weren't inflated. Yeah. And we bought a locker. And the funny thing is we bought the locker because we wanted the shelves in the locker. It's true. It's like I wanted those shelves. I was coveting those shelves. I was like blinded to anything else in that locker but the shelves. So we bid $400 on this locker because I'd added up. That's, you know, about what those shelves would cost, which is really stupid because I could have gone to Home Depot and got it. But there's something about buying a locker, right? Yep. So I bought this locker. And as we started unveiling the boxes, the the woman whose stuff was in that locker had worked for NASA. She had worked in the space shuttle program from its inception, and she kept every piece of paper i swear that she ever got the field passes her her awards for being a good employee and she's a smart lady because she got every astronaut's photograph with signature she got him to autograph oh that's golden my goodness that's golden you know what the creme de la creme was go ahead there's a certain dude who doesn't sign anything, who somehow she managed to get his signature on a photograph, Neil Armstrong. Neil, my God, he signed nothing, of course. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. So she even got stuff that predated the space shuttle program. Yes. Oh, Maron, that's wonderful. What did you do with it? I sold it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, Good. that was that was one of my best scores ever. Still memorable. It went to the UK. Um, for it was thousands of dollars. It went to the UK to a guy who I am sure made more money on it. Oh, absolutely. Every year it just goes up and up and up in value. It doubles, triples, quadruples every single year. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm holding on to a bunch of it myself, and yeah, it's going to kill me to get rid of it. But, yeah, the money is starting to become very interesting. It really is. Good for you. That's yeah. a wonderful thing. Especially now that, the, I mean, the space program has changed so much. It's, you know, it's... You know, we no longer have a space program. Right. We don't. It's over. Uh, we, we forgot how to do that, but that's a whole other show. <laughs> that is a whole other yeah, show. Not, 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 not <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's another area of collectability. Anything from the early days of the space program. And it doesn't just have to be items that are astronaut related or astronaut driven it can be a lot of the paraphernalia around it there was an explosion of children's toys in the 60s and through the 70s that had space themes Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. are also valuable and those keep going up in price so anything that links and that's another key to collectability anything that touches something famous or something desirable also becomes famous and desirable very interesting Absolutely. I mean, it's it really is a fascinating area to look at. And for those who are like limited on space, uh, space, I said space, but limited in area to keep stuff. This is a really, really good niche because virtually you can have a file cabinet with thousands of pieces in it. Oh, right? absolutely. Plus, on top of it, you can also decorate with it. I have ephemera hanging all over my office. We have it hanging all over our house whether it's photographs or whether it's uh, menus, we collect menus and put them in um, frames and hang those up. Yeah, we're talking about space. We're talking about uh, things like that. Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie is about to come out. And that means that all the old Star Wars collectibles are just going to elevate a whole order of magnitude in collectability. So you see right there, space and, and science fiction and entertainment all come together and what better thing than the merchandising and most of it is ephemera that's so true we just we just did as a family for with halloween just passed and we did the whole star wars thing my my kids were uh, luke skywalker and um princess leia and we convinced them telling well you know they were brother and sister 
And then I made yes. my husband I made my husband be Darth Vader, of course. I said, well, you know, he was Luke's father. And then I thought, oh, wait a minute, what the heck am I going to be? And I thought. I had to go do research and go, okay, who was Luke and Leia's mother? And it was that, you know, Padma Amidala. There was a costume. That's right. That's right. Very cool. Very so, cool. You got to some pictures of that, girl. It's on Facebook. Okay. It's on Facebook. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Star Wars, huge. And, and it's, and it's going to change, though, you know, because obviously, you know, we're not getting any younger. And there's a newer crowd coming in, and they've got new little things that are of interest to them. So what are some things that people should be looking for um, that are going to appeal to, say, the millennials? Well, the millennials, the perfect thing is whatever they grew up with, and that would be the 1980s, I'm guessing. So uh, you're looking at any of the TV memorabilia from the 80s, any of the clothing from the 80s. Uh, if you're looking at just the ephemeral world, uh, there were some posters uh, playbills. Uh, back then, we were still using records and albums and vinyl, so record album covers, the sleeves that the record slides in and goes in the album cover, things like that are very collectible. So there's a whole area for the millennials. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to touch on this because yep. for those who have who've never seen the show, you need to go look up the Market Warriors, which John yep. was a star on that show. So they called you the professor. Why did they well, call you the professor? Uh, I have been in this biz for a lot of years. I've been selling, collecting, dealing, doing for the better part of 55 years. So that gives you an insight into pretty much how old I am. Um and, you know, over time, you accumulate knowledge. I'm one of those people that, for whatever reason, I can remember pretty much everything I've ever bought, anything I've seen, the history behind it, the story behind it. I can't remember my sister's name, but I can remember the stuff I've seen over my lifetime. So I do have sort of an encyclopedic memory and uh, data bank of knowledge here, and that's what I drew on. Hence the name, The Professor. There's a lot of junk up there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've been shopping with you, I've, which has been, I, I have to get out to, to where you are in the East Coast. Yeah, I, I came to you last time. You got to come to me now. I so. know, I know. And, and some of my people got to meet you. We, he was here at the first More Fun, Bigger Profits yeah. conference in 2014. We got to get you. Will you come back next year? I'd love to. I'd absolutely awesome. love to. Awesome. There you go. Lil, hey, you're hearing it here first. Okay, cool. <laughs> But I do need to get to your side of the country and, and go shopping with you out there. Um, we had a blast when, when we when we shopped oh, out here. We had a heck of a good time. We really did. You know, it's different from coast to coast. It really is. If you think about it, most of this stuff starts on the East Coast and moves to the West Coast. So there's a lot more of it out here. Hence, values change drastically from side to side of the country. So you, you would have some fun buying here and getting stuff a lot cheaper than you can out there. I've been as far as Philadelphia. I haven't gone any further over, but yeah, I was amazed at the difference between what's available here and what's available there. And um, I I mean, I can't, of course, it's going to have to wait now. It's cold there. Well, it's not that cold. Come on. Come on. It's not snowing yet. (laughs) John? I'm yeah. a I'm a Vegas girl. I broke out my sweater today. <laughs> oh my! It's like sixty today. We were. I was outside in shorts and a t-shirt today. It was about <laughs> sixty-five today. So there you go. Yeah, cool. I, we're definitely going to put that on the books, though. So, okay. what last tips can can we leave the audience here with of things when they're out? You know, a lot of them are going to thrift shops and flea markets and that kind of thing. What should they be looking for in, in terms of um, types of items, but also in determining the value of those items, if they're going to be worth something? Let me, let me tell you something, and you may not like to hear this completely, but buying anything like this strictly for profit is a bit of a fool's errand. You have to buy something because, first and foremost, you love it. It means something to you. It's something that strikes a chord, it's a touchstone, resonates a memory. Buy it because you love it. Then if you can make a buck on it, 
find. Things that are hot, you know, you got to go with your heart. But most of all, what seems to be hot right now is entertainment, TV, music, uh, the movies. I would lean that way. And you're in a perfect location for that, being so close to Hollywood out there. And you can't get a bigger entertainment capital than Vegas. So if you're shopping in your neck of the woods, that's the sort of thing I would be looking for. And we do not disagree on that. Let me just tell you, one of the things, because I take people out on these shopping trips, I call them Day with Danny's. In fact, I'm getting ready to go to Ohio and Atlanta. And one of the things I tell them is, what is jumping off the shelf at you? What yep. is calling your name? And, and it's the same thing. It, it, it has to strike some sort of emotion. Because I feel like if you're excited about the item, somebody else is going to be excited about it. You're right. If you're excited, you'll convey that excitement either in person or through the description you write if you're posting on eBay or anything like that. If it means something to you, if you go, oh, wow, I want to have that, somebody else will too because you convey the excitement, you convey the desirability, you convey the need to have it yourself. Yeah, and one of the things, when I have a group and we find something and and the whole, it's like it's it's an unrehearsed thing that everybody goes, oh, I said, that's it. It was fun. I noticed that when we were out uh, the last time when I was out of your neck of the woods, we went out shopping with the group. It just rippled through. You could see excitement. Anytime somebody found something, the excitement would ripple through and you could see the people that reacted the same way as the person who found it. You could always tell, oh, they would want to buy that. Oh, no, nah, not so much them, but they want it. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's fun yeah. to watch that happen. So be- because this is such a huge topic... You and I have uh, agreed to do a little something for the people out there um, that we can't do just on, you know, 20 minutes of a, of a show segment here is we're going to do a free webinar that I mentioned. It's a free webinar and we're going to do it on political ephemera because that's a hot topic right now. You know, there and is. And I am a political junkie, so we are going to have fun. We are going to have fun. And we're going to teach people what you should be looking for in the current political stuff that's out there that's going to be valuable in the future. We're also going to be talking about stuff from the past that is now of of great value and and sell worthy. Um, and yeah. we're going to now, uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't have time to get a separate page up, but they can go over to the Facebook page for Niche to Profit Show. Yes, there is a Facebook page, and we would love a like over there. And you can go sign up for the webinar right over there. It's going to be held next Wednesday, which is Veterans Day. Yes, exactly. We planned it on the appropriate day. That's November 11th, and we would love you all to come and join us over there. So, John, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Danny, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, the, just so much fascinating stuff around this topic. And, and you even like just stirred things up in me that I, you know, forgot. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> so awesome, awesome stuff. Cool. So well, here's a quick little tease for next Wednesday. You may see this. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, John. We're definitely going to have you on again. Thank you, Danny. Happy anytime. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. And we'll be back right after this short little message. Millions of online sellers are looking for one identity to use in thousands of platforms. E-Rated manages your reputation by importing unlimited social media, marketplace, and behavioral data. It reveals your cross-platform performance, compares it with competitors, and calculates your e-worth. And it gives you the tools you need to improve sales and find room to grow. Discover your e-worth and your own reputation. That's shareyourreputation.com. Go over and get your free, your free account. Did I mention it's free? Go get your E-rated account, you guys. This is this is a company that's going places, and they're going to help you get out there and be more profitable wherever you sell. So, okay, guys, I brought them. I'm just saying I'm going to be able to see the chat messages here. And you guys are talking about some memorabilia that you have bought at estate sales and stuff that's not selling yet. If it's not selling yet, 
hang on to it. That's the thing about ephemera. It's got to build up value and that supply and demand thing. So put it away for a while if it's not selling. It, it'll be worth something one day. So there you go. All right. I'm taking them off now. <laughs> How about we do a little, uh, why won't they buy? All right. We got some, we got some good items this week. I'm excited. Let's go right to our first item, which comes from Billy Fry. Billy has a Cardu design teapot, cats, cat tea, 2004 signed. Um, that is the uh, title she has. Let me just give you the item number for those that are just listening along. It's 2316-3303-1589. And she says she's had this listed for a very long time. She's tried everything. Well, I bet not. <laughs> We're going to find out that today because I'm going to give you some clues on this. It's a real cute teapot. It's designed and signed by the artist. Uh, I have like 218 looks or views. And so something is wrong. Also have five watchers. Yeah, it's an adorable teapot, by the way. So I did a little research before the show and I went to a site called Merchant Words. And Merchant Words works off of what are people putting into Amazon to search. Now you're saying, but this is an eBay item. Yeah, shoppers are shoppers. So whatever people are putting on Amazon, you can guarantee that people are still putting that same grouping of words over on eBay. And what I found was that what people are doing when they're looking for a Cardu teapot is they're putting in the full artist name. They're saying Paul Cardu teapot because the artist is Paul Cardu. And it, you can see this in her picture. There we go. You can see that it is a Paul Cardu. Uh, so you want to use Paul Cardu teapot. I take out the design. Nobody, this is the thing. Be careful of taking directly off of an item and using all the words they're using because you have to think like the buyer and what, do they even know it's Paul Cardu design? They probably don't know that. They probably just know that it's Paul Cardu. Think, yeah, they know they saw this cute little Paul Cardu teapot somewhere and that's what they want so paul cardu teapot cats i wouldn't say cats cat just say cats because that is the name of the teapot i would actually take off the 2004 signed part too because that people don't they know that but they don't care about that as much as to search for that make sense uh, but do put those things down in your item specifics and let's just go check those item specifics yeah, so this is where you want, and you've got Paul Cardew down here, which is good, um, but you want to put year 2004, and um, something I like to do is is make the main item specific uh, signed, and then put yes or no, and just put yes, so you can put signed yes, and then especially people shopping on mobile are going to see that. I went down, looked at your description it's good you've got basic bullet points there um design that you put like the facts it's great it's great so i think the biggest thing here is that um it's just not quite the right title remember it's it's title pictures or price and then this point i think it's just a title thing now because you've had so many views already i would end this and do a sell similar with the new title, start it all over again because what's going to happen if people have this on their saved search, they're going to get an email showing that this is freshly listed with just all the right elements to it. Your pictures are great, by the way. Um, so this is not a picture issue. You And when I looked, I did a search for this particular teapot. You've got the best pictures out there and you're one of the few sellers offering free shipping. So those are awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Those are awesome things. Give me a give me a grammar teacher here to like knock me in the head sometimes. Um, but th I think this will sell over the holidays if you get the right words in here. Now the price, these are actually selling in around the $30 range um, when you include shipping and the teapot. So what I would do here is get 
make offer or best offer included in the listing. Give people the wiggle room. Now, what I want you to do, bump up the price five bucks because they're going to come in and they're going to make lower offers. So what you want to be able to do is be generous by giving them $10 off the price. So say, you know, make the price $39.95 so that, you know, if they come in at $20, you come back at $29.95, which is close. You know, don't lose it for five bucks. I'm hoping you only paid a buck or two for this. Five at the most, maybe? I don't know. I didn't ask. Um, but this is where you make your money on the buy. You really have to have those margins so you can play this game with people of taking those those lower offers. And hopefully somebody from international buys it and then they pay the shipping and then you make all the money. That's a really good thing too. Um, but this is just a title issue, just a title issue. And we should get this one sold. No time at all. Oh, by the way, um, let me just go. I told you that I, I saw that people were searching for Paul Cardu teapot. That is 9,600 people per month are searching for that. 9,600 people per month. So you only need one of those. You only need one of those. Come over and find yours. So, all right. Let's see what our next item is. Oh, yes. Nancy, she has a Lennox Courtyard Gold dinner plate, a USA Mint. And this is item number 39119771877. She says she's had the complete set for more than a year and not sold even one. Now, if you guys listened to the show when I had uh, Diva Dawn on here, who sells a lot of dinnerware, she has tested and found that including free shipping is not the way to go on dinnerware, uh, especially when you have multiples. So I, I can't believe I am even suggesting this, but I would suggest you lower the price down to, and I'd say right around the $19.99 price range and take out free shipping. I can't believe I'm saying this. You guys are hearing it for the first oh. time ever. I've ever, ever given that advice, but you got to go with what somebody has tested and what works. I don't sell dinnerware, so that's that's not one of my fortes. Um, one of the other things too, even though it's Lennox, even though it's a it's a great brand and it's a good set, uh, it it is not one of those sets that and one of those patterns that that sells really well. Um, I went over and I looked at replacements.com, which is where I do my research when I do have a dinnerware piece. They have the dinner plate for $31.99. Now, remember, they are experts. It is their niche. It is where people go. They don't question the price. This is not your niche. This is not your, your normal thing to sell. Um, so you have to come in lower than that. So I think $19.99 plus shipping would be a good price point for the dinner plates. Um, and then... Go back into your other pieces. Now, Don did say on serving pieces, that sort of thing, free shipping, fine. But on things where you have multiples, take the free shipping out. Now, that being said, um, I did notice something in this listing that concerned me. Because in the title, you have mint. And now, I don't use this word. I don't use this word ever, ever. Here's the reason why. Mint means perfect. Perfect is going to leave you open to somebody going, oh, there's this one tiny little scratch or this one tiny little something. And then they're going to go, well, you said it was mint and it's not mint. So I really want to encourage you guys, don't use the word mint. Don't use perfect or mint. I like excellent. I like excellent condition or like new if it truly is in like new condition. So be very, very careful with that. But you say mint in the title and then in the condition it says, I don't see any sign of usage. That is much different than mint. So be confident about your condition. If you look at something and it truly is in like new or excellent condition, be bold and say that. You'll see on my listings on utterly good stuff, I say excellent condition, and I note if there's, you know, anything kind of off they might see, 
Um, but if it's not excellent, it's good. And then I list what was wrong. So I have excellent, good, and as is condition. Those are my three condition um, places. But be confident. Whatever you put there, don't just say, I don't see any sign of usage. Because then they're like, well, I mean, do you need glasses? Or how do we trust, you know, whether you saw it or not? People don't like that. Be very confident. And then your buyers will be confident in their buying. Um, let's see. What other? What I, I my notes. I got notes this week about this stuff. Uh, oh, you know, when I went down to your description, let's just go down there. So here's another rule of thumb, more bullet points and facts about the item for sale than you have terms of service. So most of this listing here is, this is all TOS here, terms of service. Um, and that is a turnoff to buyers. So you don't want to make your buyers jump through hoops. Um, you know, you've got return policy here that already telling them there's going to be a 20% restocking fee. Don't put this in here. Leave this out. Take all of that language out of there because there is a place for that. It's in shipping and payments should be the return policy. There you go. That is where you want the particulars about your return policy, not in your description. Okay. Your description should be the description. It should tell them why they want to buy this item. Give them the benefits. You got to sell the benefits. How awesome is this going to look on their table? Or is this replacing that long lost piece of Lennox Courtyard Gold? Remember, people are buying the solution. They're buying what the item does for them, not the item. And that's why I talk a lot about emotion. When it's an emotional piece, they're fulfilling that need. This, in this case, is a need. Oh, I had a set of, you know, a, a dinner set of 12 of these, and, and one of them got broken because Uncle George, you know, dropped it on the floor, you know. And Thanksgiving's coming up, and we want to make sure we have the full service of 12. That's the problem you're solving for people. I would just, this is this is a price issue, and uh, take out that shipping. I can't believe I'm saying that. I cannot believe I'm saying that. But I am. But I am. All right. So hopefully this sells for Thanksgiving because somebody, this is the other problem with dinnerware, you guys. I'm sorry. This makes me sad because I grew up with a grandmother who got the entire family over for holidays and we sat at the table and she brought out the good china. People just don't do that anymore. They don't you know they bring out the melmac plates you know or they go to the restaurant down the street it's so sad it's so sad nobody cherishes the fine china anymore um so yeah it is it is what it is all right next we have um amy scordo and welcome amy i haven't seen you throw something into the uh, mix before so Glad you did. Um, and Amy's very niched. She's very niched in makeup. And this is a NARS, the multiple bronzer stick. Uh, item number 27187156996694. And she says, I swear it sells for that price. And yes, you're right. It does. It does. So we're going straight to the title. Um, you've got NARS, the multiple bronzer stick, 0.5 ounce, comma, FS Malaysia, new in box, comma, cheeks, blah, blah, blah. Number one, how are people searching for this? And I did a little search. And again, I went over and thought, okay, how are people searching for this on Amazon? And they are searching, searching for NARS bronzer stick. Some people know it's the multiple because that is on the box. Let me just show you guys. That's where she got that from. So that's, you know, not out of the blue. It does say multiple bronzer. But when people are searching for this, they are searching for NARS bronzer stick. That's what they know they need. They need a NARS bronzer stick. Most likely they're not going and looking and seeing exactly what's on the box. So I would call this NARS bronzer stick Malaysia. Your condition here is new. So you don't need to say that again. They already know it goes on their cheeks or, or wherever. So you don't need to put that in there. Because if they don't know that, 
you've already lost them by the time they get down to that information um, because they have to know that this is, you know, they know the brand, they know what a bronzer stick is. That's how they're searching. So be really clear on that. The ounces, put it down into your item specifics. Don't put that in the title. Get your title as close to what they're actually searching for as possible. That way yours comes up at the at the top of the heap. Um, the other thing is on your pictures. Now you are absolutely niched in makeup. Your pictures need to pop. They need to show the expert and professional seller that you are because makeup is one of those niches where there's a little bit of trust issues, you know. I, there are some unscrupulous sellers out there who sell makeup and then people get something and it's been used or it's icky or it's old or it's so you have to develop trust with your customer. And one of the ways to do that is in your pictures. There's only one picture. Your competitors are selling this with only one picture. But if you want to beat them, get more pictures in here. Little hint, there's a stock photo out there of this item that's pretty good. And because yours are new, you can use that stock photo. Maybe not as your first photo, but included in there. Three to four photos, whether or not people look at them, the eBay little robot algorithm thingies, see how many pictures you have. And because you have three or four pictures and your competitor only has one, guess who's going to get the boost in search? you. All right. So get some more pictures. Also, I had to say this picture makes me question a little bit if this item is new because it, the, the edges look a little iffy. So if you have another one that is, you know, really, really perfect, I would go with that one because you have multiples. Let's see. Uh, you have more than 10 available. Okay. Here's another little tip. Anybody who has multi-quantity listings, if you have more than 10 available, don't tell eBay you have more than 10 available. It's a percentage thing because you've sold two. Now, two out of 10 is a better percentage than two out of 20, 30, 40. I don't know how many you have, but eBay does because you put the number in when you created the listing and it's a percentage game. So, if they see, oh, she only has 10 and she sold two, this is a hot item. This is going to sell. What is eBay worried about? eBay's worried about getting sales, conversion, because that's how they make their money beyond listing fees. And so they want this item to sell. So if they see a history of, ah, two already sold, boom, we're going to give this a little boost because this means people who see this buy it. The price is right, everything. So definitely want to not tell them that you have 10. But then how do you keep track of all the extra unlisted inventory? Great question in the chat over there. Um, so you have to keep track of your inventory. Yes, there are custom fields where you can put your own notes. There's actually a place where you can put notes. And then as you sell these items then you can go bump up your quantity. But yeah, you have to have some external out of sight of eBay way of keeping track of that. Um, and, and that's where it can get a little little tricky in, in this inventory management game. So you have to have some good systems in place. Um, but the problem is if you have 100 of these and you tell eBay you have 100 of them, selling two of them does nothing for your search boost. But if you say you have 10 and you sell two, Boom, all of a sudden now it's okay. Those of you who sell on Amazon, you know about that buy box thing. When you get the buy box, they start selling, right? Same thing with eBay in is that you start selling some, it starts boosting you up, but they don't give you credit until it actually matters. Does that make sense? I mean, Amazon knows the item sells. eBay, it's your own page. It's your own metrics that you have to work off of. So there you go. But very good for being niched in makeup because a lucrative niche, lucrative. I don't care what the economy does. Ladies are not going to stop wearing their makeup. They are not. It's not going to happen. It's recession proof. So great niche.
All right. That is our that is our items. Like how about we uh I give you my two cents on something. All right. We have a store that was uh, sent in for review from Joanne Rath. Joanne, did you make it into the chat? Give us a give us a little shout out if you're in there. Um, her store is Treasures for Sale. Treasures for Sale. And um, Joanne entered her store into the store review over on the Danny App Facebook group. So if you're not over there, get on over there. That's how you get on the show. All right, Joanne, let's take a look at your store. This is what she says. She says, I would love to get a banner for my store, but I cannot afford to pay someone for one. Are my prices too high, too low? I realize that some of my pictures should be updated. I'm working on that. My sales have been really down. Nothing like they used to be. What can I do to start the sales flowing again? So the first thing that... I see is you have the old store format and this is the third one in a row. We've had this and you guys are saying you have slow sales and I'm telling you there is a reason eBay updated the store look and are encouraging sellers to get up that look because shoppers in e-commerce have evolved into being very, very image centric. They want images hitting them in the face. They want to know exactly what they're going to buy and see. And the old store format no longer gives them that experience. So yes, first thing. And I know you said you want to get a banner for your store. And I think what you're referring to is is bumping to that new store. So banners don't have to be expensive, you guys. You can go to Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Fiverr, five bucks, get somebody to make you a banner. You can also make one yourself for free over at a site that I love to use called canva.com, C-A-N-V-A.com, canva.com. And you can make that banner for your new store, like easy peasy cheap, okay? So don't let the banner stop you from getting that, that new store look. And I will even tell you, even if you don't put a banner over there, still go get the new store because what it does is it pulls your stuff up like bigger than life. Let me let me just I'll just show you real quick what the difference looks like. All right. See, here's my store. See that banner just hits you with stuff and here's the biggest thing, you get featured items. You go down, everything is just larger than life for shopping. Um, so you know what, Joanne, I would say that is the biggest thing you need to do with your store right now. Go get that new store, go get a banner, um, get that done. And right there, you're going to see an increase in sales. All right. Holy smokes, guys. Time is flying today. So I want to make sure we don't lose time for this. So let's hit on a couple of hot sales, and then we're gonna do our pick or pass it. All right, hot sales. Okay, so I am going to highlight this one because it brings up a very good point. This is from Sharon of Sensational Finds, and this is one of many toys going international in the last week. She made up to $9 more on this item since it went international, and they paid the calculated shipping rate, which covered the shipping that she had uh, for U.S. So uh, there's a lesson in this. This is the Disney Pixar Toy Story 3 Evil Dr. Porkchop remote control vehicle. Here's the thing. International? They don't see the Disney movie releases the same time we do. They get them a year, two years later. Well, guess what? I'm thinking Toy Story 3 is hitting over there right about now, and it's a hot toy for the holidays. Uh, so, yep, 30. Now, 30, 99, you guys are going, but that's not like such a huge score. Hello. They've sold five of them. 
They've sold five of them, and they buy all of their stuff wholesale. So I imagine their margin on this was about 20 bucks a piece. Yep, yep, yep. Great job, great job. All right. I know you guys don't want me to run out of time for Pick It or Pass It, so we're going to like, we're going to jump to that. And guess what? I have prizes to show you this week. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready for it? We have t-shirts. Yes. You get to wear the I Got Nichy on the Niche to Profit Show t-shirt. I have them in small, medium, large, and extra large. So, and and I I know Scott wants me to show the back because it's got the Vegas Video Network logo. Yes, yes. All right, so we have t-shirts. Oh, you're not into wearing a t-shirt. We have nifty Niche to Profit Show tote bags. Yeah, yeah. You get choices here. Oh, and I have very limited supply of the coveted Minion tote bag. There you go. So you get to choose. And our, you know, I'm, I'm watching the clock. How the time, where'd the time go? Somebody set the clock back. Oh, wait, we already did that. Okay, so we've got this week Linda Pacheco. You were in there twice. Uh, do we have last week's picture to put up? I keep forgetting to say that we need to do that. Billy Fry got it right. This is a Fitz and Floyd Dodo Bird cookie jar. Pam Waldron, she's got two. And I did pick it. I did pick it. And it's going to be up for sale this week. Marina Montenegro, you got it right. We've got Janice Wenig. She gets two entries. And that's the thing, guys. If you guess whether I picked it or pass it, that's one entry. So if you guessed I picked it, that's why people are getting two entries. Dova Smith. And then you guessed what the item was based on the clues that I give you. You get another entry. So two chances to win. Judy Beeson is in there twice. All right, we've got uh, Jody uh, Whitley and Deborah Siemens did not guess what it was, but she did say um, that she would pass it herself, but said I picked it. So you get it. Yeah, that's right. Get in my brain, guys. Carla Sissio, she guessed I would pass it, but she guessed what it was. All right. Winner this week is Linda Pacheco. And Linda's in the live chat. Linda, send me uh, what you would like, the shirt, the tote bag, or the minion bag. And your if you want the shirt, send me your shirt size. Okay, here's our clue this week, guys. Clue number one. It's not going to hold water even though it's empty inside. Clue number two, something tells me this would really shine with the right light. Number three, only $10? Wonder what it would be in its original state. There you go. There are your clues. Send your answers to niche2profit at vegasvideonetwork.com. Should be right down there on your screen there. Niche2profit at vegasvideonetwork.com. We got to come up with a, like, shorter, never mind. They could do it. I know. I named the show. I made the long name to it. Oh, it's okay. They're smart. We're getting plenty of entries. Um, so send in your entries, and next week you could be a winner. We'll draw a new winner from the hat. And, whew, I think we got it all in this week. With We have, like, a minute to spare. <laughs> we have 30 seconds to spare. All right. Come on over to the free webinar next week. Come on over to the Niche to Profit Facebook group. The sign-up is over there to join me and John Bruno talking all about political ephemera that will make you some big bucks. Uh, so you want to be part of that. And come catch the replay over on iTunes, where we love your reviews. And there's not just iTunes. There's YouTube, both the Danny App channel, the Vegas Video Network channel, 
Uh, you can go to Roku, Stitcher, TuneIn, Chromecast, Apple TV, Google TV, Fire TV, and of course, Vegas Video Network. Yes. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for another fun week. And we will see you next week. Now with that, go be profitable and make it fun.